It is Saturday, September 14th, 2019, and this is another episode of The Week That Was. Now, yesterday, I had to drive two and a half hours to my yearly golf outing for one of my clients in Chillicothe, Ohio. Now, it's the only time all year I play golf, and I am not a fan. I've got, I bought a set of clubs for $50, 50 So that is my golfing. I have to, I don't even buy the balls. My business partner brings a bunch of nasty balls that I can hit out and hit in lakes and things like that. I've seen your golf swing before, so yeah, I, I know what you're talking it's about. It's really bad. So driving down there, I had the top down. I had my music blasting. I mean, I'm I'm going, you know, 80, <coughs> 90, <coughs> 90 miles an hour down to Columbus and <laughs> um, top down, got Barry White, Teddy Pendergrass, Marvin Gaye, Tammy Terrell. I've got my whole mix of music blasting. And you can imagine on 71, you've got to crank the music because you got trucks, you got everything. Yeah. So I'm, I'm driving down there and... I realize that I'm dancing in my seat, of, and and if anybody's seen me dance too, that's people probably thought I was going through convulsions or something. But mm-hmm. but I was dancing in my seat, bobbing my head up and down, smacking my hands. I was having a good time driving all the way down there, and I realized something. And I I get these thoughts about like almost like out-of-body things where you're sitting there looking at yourself and you're thinking, at this point in my life, I thought I would be like uh, wearing a smoking jacket with an ascot, (laughs) smoking a pipe, you know, uh, reading a Kierkegaard or something like that, which I do like. But, But I... And I said, I, I'm thinking to myself as I'm doing this, literally, when am I going to grow up? <laughs> and I thought, I think it's over. I think it's not going to happen. So, anyway, I get down there, and I'm golfing. Now, this is the same golf tournament that last year I finished the last three holes of this tournament, hitting every shot like Happy Gilmore, running up three steps, hitting it. Every time I had a putt, I would lay down on the green on my stomach and hit it like I was hitting a cue ball. Pull shot, yeah. Yeah, pull shot. So this is how I finished the last three holes, and kind of screaming and yelling and throwing things. And Sounds like a normal golf round. For me. I mean, I, I don't, until golf develops, like, turn the golf carts into, bump, golf carts into bumper cars, you know, or full contact golf where somebody could just come up and nail you right before you tee, hit the tee shot. It, it's never you, it, it's you, boring to me. Could you picture that on TV? Oh, I would Jim love Nance, it. Jim Nance at the Masters, he's like, Tiger Woods set to tee off. Oh, he's blindsided. And we'll have to see if he can beat <laughs> Lawrence Taylor as he'll be coming at him from the backside. So I, I'm thinking this whole thing, and, and uh, golf is just boring to me. 18 holes, it was like, how many more do we have to go? All right, we got three more. Uh, thank God. You know, I, I, it was hot. It was just, 
it wasn't fun. But anyway, everybody knows I'm terrible. I've got $50 clubs. I shoot like Happy Gilmore. I sunk the longest putt of the day. No. I swear. I sunk the longest putt of the day. And you know what? They said, okay, you're going to get a prize. I didn't care about the prize. I just wanted to see everybody's face when they announced my name. And they and it was it was like sheer horror in the place, in the room. When they said, longest putt of the day, Joe Palmasano. And everybody was like, who? They thought I cheated. I walked up there. I had my chest out, got my little prize, didn't care about it, just wanted to look at everybody and go, yeah, suckers, <laughs> with my with my ancient, nasty-looking, rusty putter. Your Billy Baru. <laughs> yes. Did you it get was, it out and you were like, oh, Billy, oh, Billy, oh, Billy, oh, Billy, oh, Billy. It was so... I. I screamed when I hit that putt. It was like it was like Bagger Vance when the yeah when the, Randolph Juna at the end hits the big putt. Yeah, yeah, and the crowd disappears and the noise, and you could see the laser light go down. Is that what you saw? Oh, I did. Yeah, except the laser light was going the wrong way, and you made it go the right way <laughs> accidentally. Oh, but it was it was fun. So that was my yesterday. That was my my. Trip du jour. The golf that was. Yeah, and don't ever drive through Columbus during rush hour. It's impossible. It is the stupidest. Whoever designed those roads in Columbus. Oh, terrible. you got two lanes merging at the same point where you've got two lanes going off. And it's like, I don't know how I did not get an accident in that. It was, it was crazy. Okay. <sighs> so I'm, I'm, I'm mature. I'm not mature. I haven't I haven't grown up yet, but I I do get that. Maybe it's because it was Friday the thirteenth that I won that. Though. I thought about that. Could be. So what happened on this date in history? Let's look at TV. What happened in nineteen sixty five? Do you remember this show, John Bazika? My mother, the car. Oh, I do <laughs> not remember that, and probably for good reason. <laughs> My mother, the car, premiered on NBC. On, in 1965. It was a big hit. Big hit. 1972, The Waltons. I remember The Waltons. Waltons premiered on CBS. Good night, John Boy. And in, yeah, <laughs> good night, Plum Bob. <laughs> uh, in 1978, I More. always wanted them at the end to just keep saying names and just have it go for like six hours. <laughs> like just keep making up names and see if anybody would notice. That would be a whole episode. And then at the end, you'd see like producer John, you know. Good night, producer. And then 1978, Mork and Mindy premiered. Ah, Mork and Mindy. On ABC TV, really the breakthrough for Robin Williams. All right. This week, I was honored and humbled. Uh, able to speak to the staff of the Paul and Carol David YMCA. Um, what made this so special? I want to talk about this. I want to talk about my message to them, why why I find them so important in our communities and, and everything that they do. Uh, we're going to talk about that. And uh, with the mess that Antonio Brown, the hypocritical nature of the NCAA, which I want to get into with John and detail since we're only until 10 30 today mm. is there a drastic change and pushback 
coming soon in pro football, in pro athletics, NCAA athletics. Is this bad or good? I'm going to discuss this. We're going to get into this. Um, tonight, I'm going to be emceeing an event for one of the jewels of Stark County. Uh, a grassroots organization is quietly and successfully changed thousands of lives here in Stark County and beyond. At 9 o'clock, we're going to speak live with uh, Bill Shearer. He is, uh, who along with his wife, Marsha, founded and operate Whispering Grace Horses and Freedom Farm at Whispering Grace, about tonight's event, about more, about what they're all about, about what they do. We're also going to discuss uh, State Representatives Thomas West's pushback concerning the scores that came out, especially with Canton City Schools. Uh, And we're going to talk to Thomas West at 10 o'clock, give him a call, and talk with him about a uh, uh, kind of an editorial he wrote and his thoughts on on the scoring system for public schools. And uh, we have more. Honest, honest, even more than that. Even more. Much more. Well, not much more. We have a little bit more. Stephen, why are you looking at me like with disdain? Do I have a disdain on my... And sports with John Bazika, news with Jim Michaels. Stephen Potter, making this mess actually seem professional. You do. That's pretty hard to do. I, really? No one else could do it. I tried. You can't. And our trifecta contest on this Friday, Saturday the 14th. We survived. Stay tuned. The week that was will continue right after this. We have a, uh, a new sponsor this week. It is Joe's Drywall Repair. Are you a Browns or Steelers fan who watched the games last weekend? <laughs> if so, you undoubtedly have holes in your drywall. Joe's Drywall Repair is offering an exclusive deal for Browns and Steelers fans. It's drywall insurance. Anyone who signs up by the end of today will receive a full season of unlimited drywall repair for $100 per month. Yes, no matter how many holes, cracks, or damage, Joe's Drywall will be at your home every Tuesday to completely patch your walls or ceiling And have you ready to do it again the next game? Guaranteed or your money back. This insurance does not cover broken hands, bruised or cut foreheads, or any other damage or injury related to the holes in your drywall. Call today, 330-THE-PAIN, Joe's Drywall Repair, serving Cleveland Browns fans since 1999. Give them a call. Sounds like a great deal. Oh, I, I, I could have used that before last week. I think it's a great deal. I really could have. Well, sign up. Give them a call. 330-THE-PAIN. I, I, I don't know if I can afford it. Uh-huh. Is is that the pain at the end? Is that is that from, uh, did you have to get that trademark from Mr. T? I got Ohio State trademarked it for me. The pain. The pain. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, Mr. T and Rocky Three. 
Remember where Pain. Yeah. <laughs> What's like, your prediction for the fight? Pain. Think about how, like, each fighter that he fights, like, gets, like, less and less. Like, they can talk less and less. Like, Apollo Creed, he can go he can go toe-to-toe with him. Like, he's supposed to be like Muhammad Ali. He gets to, to Mr. T, and it's just like, pain. And then he gets to Ivan Drago. It's like, I will break I you. I will break you. I must break you. Yeah, and then he's like, he's like, if he dies... He dies. He dies. <laughs> Just slowly gets worse. <laughs> ah, so what is Friday the 13th? Where did that come from? Did you ever think about that? The irrational fear of 13. It actually has a name. It's called Triskaidekaphobia. Triskaidekaphobia. The fear of number 13. But I like Triscuits. No, Triskaidekaphobia. The superstition surrounding this day may have arisen in the Middle Ages, originally from the story of the of Jesus' Last Supper. Okay? The crucifixion in which there were 13 individuals present in the upper room on the 13th of Nisan, Mon- Mon- it's a Thursday, the night before his death on Good Friday, so, all this was put together, and this all started 13th Friday. It's really ridiculous. So, and then the movies obviously didn't help it. Friday the 13th. So people are actually they actually talk about it, and and I you know I have to now that I have the longest putt on Friday the 13th. Ooh, it's a lot of pressure. Maybe it's the opposite for me. Maybe I'm lucky on 13. I made it through Columbus without getting into an accident. I had the longest putt. Unbelievable. Hey, you know what we're going to get into today eventually, John? Hmm. I love this time of year. The finalists for the National Toy Hall of Fame were announced. I do this every year. It's like, who's going to get in? Who would you want in? This is big deal for me. There are some really good ones this year. Last year there were some garbage ones, but there's some there's some ones here that ap- absolutely need to be in, and one that has no business ever being in the toy hall. Did you hear about the senior nominee this year? The stick? No, the whirly gig. <laughs> Wasn't it you that said this? Yeah, it's the, it's the whirly gig this year. What is a whirly gig? Those things that fly from the trees that spin when they're in the air. Oh! They decided to finally, after all these years, they said we need to give the Whirly Gig a chance. A senior, a the, senior. It's a senior committee finalist. That's a great toy. It is. That's what I'm saying. That's. I didn't know that was called a Whirly Gig. After all these years, after all of all of the the pushback from from the Toy Hall of Fame, the, the Whirly, Whirly gig, gig has finally gotten its due. The stick didn't get in. It broke on its way to the... <laughs> a rock. Yeah, go, I was go. thinking the wheel. Steven's looking at me again. Steven just gives these dirty, nasty looks at you like he just starts staring you, staring at you like, time to take a break. Darn it. All right, we're going to take a break. Stay tuned. The week that was will continue... Right after this. Ain't no valley low, 
Ain't no river wide enough, baby. If you need me, call me. No matter where you are, no matter how far. Don't worry, baby. I was, this, like, this is what I was playing yesterday. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough. Keep me from getting to you, baby. I set you free. Okay, that's all. God, I love that song. Marvin Gaye. The late, great Marvin Gaye and the late, great Tammy Torrell. Um, John, I wanted to get into this. I'm irritated. I'm very irritated today okay. with sports. I'm irritated with um, Antonio Brown. I realize I'm the first one to say uh, you're innocent until you're proven guilty, and there's a lot of false allegations and things that fly nowadays. Um, but I, I, I read that, the story of Antonio Brown, I, I read it from every angle I could possibly read it. And I also went into, read the, the text he sent, um, where he essentially admitted doing what he what she said he did. Sure. Um, and just absolutely demeaning, ridiculing language in this. Now, if it turns out she also passed the lie detector test that was given by a very reputable lie detector person. I don't know what they're called. Uh, a lie detector or... Um, it's a hell of a job to have. Yeah. <laughs> so, she took the... She passed the lie detector test. She... If these texts turn out to be true, um, it's pretty damning. Sure. Uh, you know, and where is... Where is the NFL. What what are they hiding behind? They have they have essentially been silent. Now if you remember Adrian Peterson was accused of child of child endangerment. Sure. He was immediately put on the exempt list. Sure. Antonio Brown's not. Why? Why? Why aren't you put on the exempt list at least? You're getting paid. You just can't play until it's found out. You know, I'm not saying suspend. I'm saying put them on the exempt list. These, these text messages shouldn't be pretty hard for the NFL with all the money and all the investigators they have to make a very quick determination. Was this lie detector test valid? Are these texts real? Were they made up? Are they real? If the texts are real and the lie detector test was accurate, that's enough evidence to say, hey, look, you can't play on Sunday. It, it, it makes me sick what's going on. First of all, you know, they allowed him to orchestrate his escape from Oakland to New England. They, they put up with, uh, with junk from everyone depending on who, you're, who you are. We talked last week about the visors. They didn't want they banned colored visors until they made a deal with Oakley, and then all of a sudden colored visors were okay. Now you combine that with the stuff that's going on with the NCAA and all the crap that's going on. 
you've got California now, and I, I commend this. I, I usually do not agree with anything California does. But the legislation in California, the legislators in California have voted so far 39 to 0. Now it has to go, it has to go, oh, the assembly passed the bill 73 to nothing on Monday. Basically saying that athletes in colleges in California would be able to benefit from their names and their likeness, profit from it. They can actually profit from from going out and selling their jerseys, going out and selling their likeness, autographs, everything. They both basically said, boom. LeBron James came out and said, people need to, he, he basically tweeted and texted that people need to get out and vote for this and support this. Um. The NCAA forcefully pushed back. Duh! Forcefully pushed back against the bill, saying it has the potential to kill amateur athletics if it becomes law. I think we're long past the point of <laughs> there being amateur athletics. Exactly! Now, here, who killed amateur athletics? The NCAA. You can leave after two years. You you aren't you you don't have to stay in basketball. You could stay one and done. The transfer portal. You've got the quarterback at Ohio State came from where? Georgia. Georgia. The quarterback from Oklahoma came from where? Alabama. The quarterback from LSU came from where? Ohio State. Quarterback from Miami of Florida. One of them came from Ohio State. Okay. I mean, basically, that transfer portal has become a way to basically, like, trade yourself. It's free agency. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So now you've got, and the NCAA allowed it. They allow players to leave after two years. And now they're coming back and saying, this will destroy amateur athletics as we know it. Yeah. Well, good. Destroyed. Good. The only levels that it hasn't been destroyed at are, are the levels that aren't major Division One college football. I yeah, mean, like Division, like like where Youngstown State plays. Well, but they people could transfer in there, and that's always been a thing too. Well, you can, but it's not as bad as it is. No, at the high levels, it's like Division One A or whatever Youngstown State is considered, and I think it's one double A, but. That division and Division Two football, and then even into what Mountain Union is in, there's a lot less of that crap going on, and it's a lot more authentic amateur sports. Yes. It really is at that point. Yes, I agree with you. And now, so here's here's the Emmert, who is the president of the NCAA, sent um, a letter. To California legislators say there's going to be dire consequences if you pass this. Dire consequences is this. In his mind, in their minds, really, in the back of their minds, what they're thinking. We're going to lose a lot of money if this passes. Here's the other part that's going to happen. Think about this. Where are athletes going to go if California passes this? Where are they going to if I'm a if I'm a five star recruit? I'm going to USC. USC, UCLA, 
those two schools and I can't think Fresno. of Fresno. Yeah, I mean all yeah. of those all of those California schools that could become powerhouses. Ooh, Cal, yeah. Cal now. And so what happens now? We saw this, we see this with everybody. If someone does something, everybody does. Oh, absolutely. It. So now everybody will pass it. Or else, here's what's going to happen. The NCAA will ban, will kick California out of the NCAA. Wouldn't that be something? They will kick California out of the... Now, Tim Tebow was on. And Tim Tebow was talking to uh, Stephen A. Smith uh, and uh, Max Kellerman about what he thinks about this. You, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I have a little credibility and knowledge about this because when I, was at the, when I was at the University of Florida, I think my jersey was one of the top-selling jerseys around the world. Uh, it was like Kobe, LeBron, and then I was right behind them, and I didn't make a dollar from it. But nor did I want to because I knew going into college what, 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 it, um, what it was all about. I knew going to Florida, my dream school, where I wanted to go, the passion for it. And if I could support my team, support my college, support my university, that's what it's all about. But now now we're changing it from us, from we, from my university, from being an alumni where I care, which makes college football and college sports special, to then, okay, it's not about us, it's not about we, it's about me. And yes, I know we live in a selfish culture where it's all about us, but we're just adding and piling it onto that, mm. where it changes what's special about college football. Tim. We turn it into the NFL, where who has the most money, that's where you go. That's why people are more passionate about college sports than they are about NFL. That's why the, 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 um, the stadiums are bigger in college than they are in the NFL, because it's about your team. It's about your university. It's about where my family wanted to go. It's about where my grandfather had a dream of seeing Florida win an SEC championship. And you're taking that away so that young kids can earn a dollar. And that's just not where I feel like college football needs to go. That's fair, There's that man. opportunity in the NFL, that's but fair. not in college football. Yeah, but unfortunately... Very few people are in a position of where Tim Tebow was. If, you, if I talk to Archie Griffin, which I plan on doing soon about this, he would say the same thing. But those days are gone. Yeah, the NCAA has ruined it. You know, if you want to bring this back to amateur sports, I've said this all along. The NCAA has got to say, if you go to college, you go to college. You're there. You're going to stay there at least, let's say, three years. Let's say four years. You go to college, you're committing to college, and you're going to get your degree, and then you're going to go pro. As long as you create transfer portals, as long as you create one year and done, two years and done, these players aren't going there. And, and let's look at it this way. Tim Tebow comes from a completely different background than a lot of kids that I recruited. A lot of kids that I recruited who had no money. A lot of kids I played with who came from Miami and different places had no money. They came there, and if they had an opportunity to make some money, God bless them. God bless them because they needed it. I didn't need it. I came from a background where I didn't need it. So I feel more like Tim Tebow. Okay, I didn't need that. But a lot of my teammates and a lot of my good friends were, were, had, had not a penny to spend outside of football. Well, I was going to say, if you think about Tim Tebow, it's been 11 years since he's played college sports. Yes. And in that time, I would say that college sports has made its biggest changes. Bingo. 
in the history of its sport, in the way that players are one and done, the transfer portal, a lot of that stuff was just starting to be discussed in 2008. Now it's commonplace for players to do that. If you think if you think back to 06-07, Florida won back-to-back national titles in college basketball because the group with Corey Brewer and Joe Kim Noah and Al Horford stuck together for two years to win titles. Teams don't do that anymore. No. And Zion, they, Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, and and uh, R.J. Barrett could have done that, but they wanted to go to the NBA. And and I don't blame them for going, but the problem is that you have established this, and the NCAA has condoned this, and they've, they've allowed this. They allowed uh, this corruption to go on that the FBI had to uncover and not them. Um, uh, it goes on and on and on. So don't give me, I, you know what, at this point, I love what California is doing because if the NCAA and colleges, they're making money on these, on the backs of these kids who get hurt. If they get hurt and never play it down a pro football, they are done while the school has made millions off their backs. I say everybody do this. Let's stop the charade and let's pay kids for their likeness. If you're going to make money off of me, then I should be able to make some money off of me. And it's simple. Or else stop it completely, stop the charade, make kids go four years, make them get a degree. But this garbage that keeps going on, and it filters up to the NFL, it filters down from the NFL, this attitude of me, 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 and it's filtering down through the whole thing. The commissioner of the NFL's got to get his act in order too, because they've got to start if they want character. If you know, just and, and stop the charade about all this stuff—the the penalties and the suspensions. You know, just just say it what it is. If you're a great player, you could do whatever you want, and you're going to keep playing until somebody else convicts you for something. It's crazy. Stay tuned. You know, closing that argument, forget shoe deals, video games, NCAA athletes can't even make a little money over the summer coaching youth sports. They can't promote their social media page. They can't model athletic wear. They can't accept groceries for help or rent or free meals or equipment. You know, when the line in the sand keeps being drawn by the NCAA, and it is enforced obsessively. We even had a guy who didn't couldn't had to take his name off a registry because people were providing gifts for his wedding. I remember that. If that happens, it goes to absurdity, and it's usually a sign that it doesn't belong and it needs to be gone. And that's uh, I'm I'm hoping that this does. I hope they uh, California has the courage to go ahead and implement this and get it going and and then fight the NCAA over it. Ohio State lost its trademark on the. I'm so glad. That's that's over. They lost it. And Triple Crown winner, Justify, failed a drug test, performance-enhancing drugs for horses. Failed a drug test before the Kentucky Derby, but was allowed to go out and win it. Come on. You know, the telltale sign is when Lance Armstrong became his trainer for the Kentucky Derby two weeks before the Kentucky Derby. They interviewed the horse last week, and uh, he looked at all the other horses, and he was like, 
if he dies, he dies. <laughs> no, he said, nah. Have you been taking performance-enhancing drugs? Nah. Oh, that's a goat. That was a terrible nay. horse joke. Oh, that's... <laughs> nay. <laughs> Mr. Ed. Ah, uh, okay. When we come back... I want somebody to name their horse Mr. Ed that runs in the Kentucky Derby. It's probably trademarked, patented. I doubt if anybody could do that. Somebody should name their horse Taco Tuesday and LeBron can own it. You know, he's got denied too. I know, but his 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 um people said that it was what he wanted to accomplish in the sense that he wanted to accomplish the fact that what he was doing was not against like some legality somewhere for using that as a term every time he eats tacos on Tuesday. He wanted to make sure that he was basically clear of being sued. So he accomplished what he wanted to. Okay. That's good. And maybe that's why Ohio State did it. No, Ohio State did it because they're Ohio State and they have a feeling that they were going to do that. They're entitled to the. Yeah. The the. Ohio State University. Oh, it's the. That's right. It's the, not the. The the Iowa State. Iowa State's on game day today. I know. I'm excited to see that. I think it's already on, isn't it? No, it was a little while yet. Oh, okay. I mean, people are there. I was talking to Scott Campbell over at Perry, and he was uh, he was upset that he can't be there. Yeah, like everyone he knows is there. Yeah, I I I I obviously spoke at the you know Gene Campbell, his stepmother, um, was at the uh, is is the CEO of or the executive director of the Y, Paul and Carol David. So we talk all the time about that stuff. She was at the game. When I was there, too, her and her husband and Matt's father. and That's funny. Yeah, it was, it's, it's funny to, to be able to have that connection. Hey, we got to go. When we come back, we don't have to go. We're just going to step aside. We're not even going to step aside because I'm not leaving my chair. We're just going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Bill Shearer about this event tonight, um, a fundraiser about everything that's going on with whispering grace this is truly a jewel of stark county it's an amazing story and i think you've heard it before but you're going to hear it again and you're going to hear about the fundraiser tonight as uh, we speak with bill Shearer of whispering grace horses right after this 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 is a spring song this is a spring song bruce spring song stay tuned it is our number two of the week that was, and there's an event going on tonight for a uh, great organization, one of the jewels of Stark County, something that we should all be proud of, one of those things that uh, organizations that uh, the story behind it is is just unbelievable, grassroots organization that has successfully changed the lives of thousands of people, and um, Bill Shear along with his wife, Marsha, founded and operate Whispering Grace Horses, Freedom Farm of Whispering Grace. And tonight is a big event, Bill, and I thank you for coming on. And uh, I wanted you to talk about what's going on tonight. Wait a minute. Is this the Master of Ceremonies for the Wild Wild West show tonight here at the Master Museum? Oh, yeah, I'm so excited about being part of this, and I thank you. I'm humbled by it. And... The other part is having it at MAPS, which is absolutely an unbelievable place and with great people. 
is a perfect choice for you. And uh, I, I, not, I don't mean I am. Matt being at MAPS is. And I thank you for allowing me to be part of it, Bill. Oh, you betcha. Uh, you know, Joe, you were one of the individuals that, uh, along with WHBC, that stood alongside of us from the from the very beginning, from the vision that we had for Whispering Grace Horses and now Freedom Farm. And uh, we thank you for that uh, for that opportunity to to stand alongside of us and and uh, get us to where we are right now. And and we're excited about the event tonight. And and uh, needless to say, uh, hold on here just a second, Joe. Um, tonight is is an event that uh, we're truly, truly excited about. Now, t- wild, wild west. I think we have about uh, 245 people coming tonight. Wow. So t- uh, we're, we're we're excited. What and and can people still go, or is it like no. sold out? No. Yeah, we're sold out. Okay, we, we, are, we are sold out, and and we're excited about that. We were. We were hoping, Marcia and I were hoping, so we wouldn't be embarrassed that we could have a hundred people here tonight. Wow! And uh, people just kept calling and calling, and and uh, uh, needless to say, we're we're <laughs> we just remain humbled, as <clears throat> you mentioned that word earlier, and and uh, it's something that uh, well, <clears throat> we never dreamed that we could we could have what we have, but here we are. Well, you know what? Two people who spent their life in education, who could have retired, who could have just gone gone off into the sunset, decided to start something here in Stark County that is absolutely unbelievable. Um, and, and, like, and when I say a jewel, I mean that. It's one of the top things that, that I think is going on in Stark County. And um, you started this from nothing, and and have absolutely transformed lives and saved horses and in the meantime changed lives of countless people. Explain, Bill, again to people who don't know what Whispering Grace Horses is all about and then what Freedom Farm is all about. Well, you know, as you say, Joe, you know, we, we come from an educational background and, and uh, also from a horse background and, and – uh, when we got back into horses about seven years ago, uh, this time around, I don't know, something was was different, and 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 uh, horses began to change our lives in a way that we never ever imagined, and and so after a while, we just we just said to each other, "Do you think they can change the lives of some other people?" And so we're we're all about the relationship, um, the relationship between a human and a horse, and how in the world does that spill over into everyday life? And also the relationship that we have with with Christ, and and but you put together the ingredients that it takes to have a, a relationship with a horse, in terms of patience and forgiveness and trust and understanding, and most of all, and I just wish I would have remembered this when I was coaching and and a school administrator, Joe, and what it really means to try. You know, we're we're sometimes we're we're in this world always winning. And we look on TV, it's all about winning. And anybody that looks at TV and can say, we have good relationships, well, you're not paying attention. Hmm. And so we decided to do this with the centerpiece being our horses. And um, it's it's kind of interesting. Fox News just had a special on this morning about something about this equine therapy that just works. 
our veterans. We decided to, to do something with, with our veterans. We have 230 families now that come to see us. Wow. And we just grew so fast. And, and our board of trustees, who has guided us all along the way here, they just said, well, can't we do something for our veterans? And and we just kept saying, we wish we could. We, we certainly wish we could, but we're just maxed out. And, and so um, one of our one of our board's members said, well, Bill, isn't, isn't that land across the street for sale? And this was last year. And we said, yeah, but we don't, we don't have the money to purchase that. And, and, uh, needless to say, um, a week later that land was donated to us. And, and, uh, and now they asked us, can we, can we now have a, a program for our veterans? I said, well, now we have the, the land to have a program for our veterans, but we have done everything on a on a per. Do we have the money to do it, or or don't we? And so, needless to say, we had we had vendors like Spring Electric, uh, Stark Trust, Whistler Plumbing, Oster Sand and Gravel, um, Malavite Excavating, all all came on board with serving a segment. Not the only segment, but one of the most underserved segments of our population, that being our veterans. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, still, we wanted the, the centerpiece to be our horses. And, and, and you know what? We just want to make it a, a great day for these men and women. That, and I guess that's why we put that tag on our barn, on our facility of Freedom Farm. We hope that we can give them a little bit of freedom uh, from what they've brought home with them. And I know that they've given us the freedom uh, to to do what we do, and so uh, um, we're just excited about that opportunity. And and we always tell them, you know, uh, we want to try to inspire you in terms of what we do, but but we are inspired so much by the stories, um, the layers, that a little bit at a time that we get to hear from all these men and women and our families that visit Whispering Grace Horses about every day. So. We're excited, Joe. We're really excited. Yeah, and it's 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 uh, it's a testament to you uh, and Marsha giving in and letting go and letting God, your faith in in God, handle this and and get it done. And it is um, it's absolutely one of the most amazing stories that that I've ever heard or ever been a part of, Bill. And it. Uh, God bless you for this. I, I wanted I want to give the opportunity for you know the the event sold out tonight, but um, tell people how they could get involved even if they don't come to the fundraiser tonight and how they can help and how they could be a part of Whispering Grace. Well, we have a we have a presence on the web now. It's www.whisperinggracehorses.org.org. Uh, they can call Marsha or myself. Our phone numbers are 330-265-5119 and 265-5032. And, and, you know, Joe, standing alongside of me here is a gentleman that's created a company called Operation Flags for Freedom. And um, anybody that's gone to any type of veterans event here in Stark County has probably seen the array of flags that that is posted at these events. And there's a gentleman uh, called Steve Tui, uh, who is right next, standing right next to me. And uh, I'll tell you, this place will be decorated to the hilt because of his need, his want, his mission, too, of wanting to be able to serve these men and women that have given us the freedom that we just 
I don't know if we, all of us deserve it, but we're sure getting it. So uh, Steve's right here. Um, Let Put him on. Hey, Joe. How are you doing? Steve, how are you? I, I, I thank you for what you've what, – what, what, um, what got you going in this? How did you come up with this idea and thought and get it going? Well, I'm a Perry uh, Township resident, and back in 2011, a young man by the name of Sergeant Daniel Patron was killed in Afghanistan. He was an EOD officer. He was a local boy. Actually, uh, he and my daughter dated during high school. They were in the band, the the theater, the speech club, spent a lot of time together. So when Danny uh, was killed doing what, you know, he was doing to, you know, protect our freedoms here in America. Um, when they brought him home to be laid to rest, we put up some 500 American flags along the procession route of his funeral. And from that day forward, I stood there and I looked and I thought, this is what needs to happen every day, everywhere in this country to honor our veterans, our military, our fallen heroes, and our first responders. Um, so we do 60 to 80 events a year. I'm all over Stark. I've been to Toledo. I've been, I've been to Buffalo, and we do this strictly on donation basis only. I have three trailers, about 1,500 American flags on poles, and uh, this is what we love to do. And you know, all of us need to remain and get patriotic again. You know, we just had 9/11, and I remember when that happened. We all got our little flags out. We were all patriotic and loving and kind to each other, well, you know how fast our memories fail. Yeah. And so my goal is to always have this and take this across the country so that every day we're flying the American flag and every day we remain patriotic and every day we remember to love each other for the reasons we should. Amen. Thank you, Steve. And I, you know what? Steve Tuohy and... and uh... And Bill and Marcia Shearer, and this is a perfect example, folks, of of um, finding a need. You know, people always talk about, oh, what am I going to do with my life? What am I, what am I, uh, what, what, these, these people found their passion, they found a need, and they filled it. And this is an unbelievable story. But all, both these stories are unbelievable stories for all of us as far as filling a need. And and finding a passion and going after it full go. And I thank you, Steve, and tell Bill thank you, and I'll see him tonight. Uh, hopefully I'll meet you tonight. You going to be there? Yeah, Steve will be here, and, and uh, um, he's, he's definitely a part of what we do. And, and when we opened up our new facility at Freedom Farm, he was one of the first guys to offer his services for us. And, and uh, we're just, um, Joe, I guess, we never, we never dreamed this big or prayed this big in terms of, of how this whole thing has evolved. But being uh, able, and this is what we tell our session leaders each and every day, you know, it's a big deal when you can maybe be the answer to somebody's prayers. Absolutely. And that's, that's what's happened with Whispering Grace Horses and Freedom Farm. And, and so with, with those words, I mean, and, and those opportunities for us, I mean, uh, we don't all get those opportunities. And so we, we just consider this a true gift 
uh, from above in terms of having the opportunity to to help some other people along the way when when they uh, when you when you hold one hand and it's full of grief and you hold the other other you hold that other hand and it's full of hope. I mean, we don't very often get to do that. Yeah. And so, having that ability is is what makes our day. Bill, I see you tonight. And God bless, and, and thank you so much for all that you and Marsha do, and, and I'm looking forward to this event tonight. You have a great day. Joe, you, you, we thank you very much, and we thank WHBC for this opportunity. Again, thank you, and we'll see you soon. Okay, man. Take care. Okay. Bye. Wow. All right, we forgot to do the contest, and we got to get it in. It's a $25 gift card to Anytime Fitness. You could use it for tanning. You could use it for tri- uh personal training, anything. $25 gift certificate to Anytime Fitness. And here are the answers for today. We're going to get these in. Buffalo Bill is number one. Buffalo Bill. Number two is Lima. Lima. That gives you a little bit of a hint. And number three is 16. So Buffalo Bill, Lima, and 16. Later on in the show, I'll give you questions. If you match them up, you will win the $25 gift card to Anytime Fitness. And, you know, I told you that uh, this week I had the opportunity to speak um, to about 155-plus people at the Paul and Carol David YMCA in Jackson Township. And I thank Gene Campbell for inviting me and allowing me to be part of that. It was an honor to speak to these people. And, and I, I said this, basically. I, I, I got into so many different things, but basically my feelings were this. You know how I feel about um, social media, about how we don't interact face-to-face anymore, um, uh, about how we label and how we categorize people and then It's easier to hate. It's easier to dehumanize them. Our YMCAs across the country, especially in Stark County, break that all down. Um, They do such an unbelievable job of bringing a community together uh, in, in so many ways to bring people to not judge. I mean, uh, to accept people for who they are, to have personal interaction with people, uh, to be able to have people come in in all areas of fitness, to be able to take bring children together in classes, to be able to bring the, the elderly into an environment where they can associate, they could get out of their houses, they could do things. And you see people, different nationalities, different colors, different fitness levels, and nobody judging. And the people who work there on this team and on the teams all across the wise um, are experts and are there because they, they love to take people where they are and move them to a place where they likely thought they could never reach. The wise, to me, are oasis in the desert of today's world. Uh, The team, 
that they establish at these places, the people who work there, it's more of a mission than a job. Uh, they, they, they've chosen these jobs, and they make a difference, and they make a difference in the lives of the people they touch. I don't think there's any higher calling in a, in a position than to be able to meet people where they are and to take them to the point where they never thought they would be. I said that, but it is so true. And it was an honor to speak with them. It was an honor to meet these people. It was an honor to be able to talk with these people. And I thank them, and and, uh, it, it was just, you know, the whys are so important for us, for our communities. And I'm glad they exist, and I'm glad that the people they have working there are so dedicated to to us who go there. Um I there's a couple stories I wanted to get into. The um we'll take a break real quick. And when we come back, I want to get into this uh I, I do want to get in before we talk to Thomas West about the school grading system and what he thinks about it and everything in the 10 o'clock hour. We only have, uh, we're only on till 10.30 today, but I want to get in with John and, and Stephen to talk about the National Toy Hall of Fame. I know it's trivial, but it's important. It's an important topic. Stay tuned. Make up your mind. We'll be back or we're back? We're back. We have a new sponsor this week. It's Joe's Drywall Repair. Are you a Browns or Steelers fan who watched a game this past weekend? If so, you undoubtedly have holes in your drywall. Joe's Drywall Repair is offering an exclusive deal for Browns and Steelers fans. This week only, it's drywall insurance. Anyone who signs up by the end of today will receive a full season of unlimited drywall repair for just $100 per month. Yes, No matter how many holes, cracks, damage, Joe's Drywall will be at your home every Tuesday to completely patch your walls or ceiling and have you ready to do it again the next game. Guaranteed or your money back. This insurance does not cover broken hands, bruised or cut foreheads, or any other damage or injury related to holes in your drywall. Call today, 330-THE-PAIN. Joe's Drywall Repair, serving Cleveland Browns fans since 1999. It is, uh, by the way, 66 degrees outside. Yesterday was a scorcher when I was golfing. I had to hydrate like crazy. Um, this comes out every year, and this is one of my favorite times. The finalists for the National Toy Hall of Fame came out this week. There are 12 finalists this year. They include Care Bears. Well, the 12 finalists are Care Bears, Coloring Books, The Fisher-Price Corn Popper, Jenga, Magic the Gathering Cards, He-Man, Matchbox Cars, My Little Pony, Nerf Guns, Risk, The Top, The Top, and The Smartphone. Now, Smartphone, 
immediately you have to eliminate the smartphone. That is not a game. That is not a game. I don't care. People use it as a game, but it is not a game. It has games within it, but those games that are within it maybe can be nominated. But you don't nominate the smartphone as a game, do you? No. I think that's ridiculous. That's that's. The NCAA is probably involved in that somehow. You know, left off the list as a uh, senior committee finalist this year, the brown paper bag. Oh, my gosh, yes. You know, yes. how you would blow it up and just... No, what about putting holes in it and using it as a mask? Right. See, I mean, these these committees, they leave out... They, they're trying to give these toys a chance, and here we have the brown paper bag. What about the, the cardboard box? Come on now. Cardboard box can be a fort. It can be a sled. There's so many. There's so many things. It be a boat. It, yes, it could be anything. A cardboard box. It could be a hiding place. Yes. It's. I mean, Stephen, you don't forget the paper towel tube. Oh my gosh! Yes, yes. Oh my gosh! You could. That becomes a bazooka. It becomes you put wet toilet paper in it and shoot it at people, blow it at people. Becomes a telescope, musical instrument, musical instrument, a sword. It's, these are brilliant. I'm very disappointed in the uh, the committee for what they've chosen this year. Lots of lots of great toys There's have been left off this list. Toys that are creative i mean let's think about it. you've you've got the smartphone on here and you're eliminating the paper bag the the paper towel tube or the even better the uh gift wrapped tubes because those are a little bit longer those are great swords by the way until they all of a sudden unravel right? you know what else i left off do you remember when you had your when you had your bike when you were a kid and a, you would take playing cards, and you would take a playing card, and you would put it in the spokes. Yes, to create that that sound that you had, like a motorcycle that you were riding. Absolutely, they have left <clears throat> duct tape and the playing card out. Yes, the true senior committee finalist. Uh, they're 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 all good cardboard boxes, that tube. <laughs> The paper bag, they could be used for multiple things. They 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 do anything you want them to do. It's unbelievable. They are very um versatile. They, yes. They adapt to their surroundings very well. So based on the ones that are actually nominated, I would say this. The corn popper should be in. Okay. That was a pretty ingenious little device back in the 60s, you know, before technology took over. <laughs> um, matchbox cars, matchbox cars. Yeah, I mean, they're, they were, what, next to Hot Wheels? The, yeah. You know. The, the Nerf guns are unbelievable. They have to be. 
I mean, there are Nerf guns that when you shot them at someone, that, that sucker would hurt. Yeah, they're good. I love them. And here's one that has to be in, Risk. If you've never played Risk, I mean, Risk, I played Risk literally when I was younger. We used to start a Risk game and play all night. All night. You have no idea the thrill you get from conquering the world. I'm surprised they didn't put the game in uh, war games that Matthew Broderick plays in there. Globothumer Nuclear Warfare. Do you remember that? That's not a game. That was a movie. I'm just saying it was a game that he played. Yeah, but it's never been put into a game for mass what about, consumption. What about what about tic-tac-toe? Has that ever been put in? Oh, I think that's already in. Like I'm saying like... But that's a stupid game. Because does anybody ever win tic-tac-toe? Yeah, you play somebody that's really dumb and you win. <laughs> but you really... It's a stupid game because nobody ever wins if you're playing anybody with half a brain you you can't you never win that game it's always a cat game yeah but i've actually played with people before where i've gone first and they've gone second and simply because they want to try to win and they want to see if i'm actually going to put like my ex where their next o should go they will try to beat me to having three in a row so i'll just automatically get three in a row yeah but that's they're just they're, see, they're, they're it's impossible. They're taking a risk. But risk is unbelievable. And the top. The top. That's an old game. I mean, the top's been around for what? Ancient times? Probably back in the Egyptians. Top's been around. And, and the fact that it's not in already, I wonder if the Hall of Fame is going to have like, the Toy Hall of Fame will have like a 100-year anniversary where they'll just let in like 50 toys. Like the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, Johnson Controls bought the uh, Toy Hall of Fame. They're bringing it to Canton. <laughs> wow. That would be great. That would be great. That's so, fake. Nobody believe that, please. No, I know, I know. Uh, ToyHallOfFame.org. You could pick, uh, you can vote. at. You could go to the ToyHallOfFame.org this week for your favorite of the 12 toys. I'm going to vote for Risk. I think Risk is probably one of the greatest games ever invented. Have you ever played Risk? Yeah. Have you ever played Risk, Stephen? You got to play Risk. It is it is it is an unbelievable game. I guess I know what you're buying me for Christmas this year, right? I might buy you Risk. <laughs> yes, you know what? I'm going to buy you a game of Risk. That's a great thought, Stephen. I'm buying you Risk. And you could sit there and play it with your wife. You will, you will absolutely love the game. It, I think. It's well, a, I have to get really good at it so I can have you over and then beat you. You can't beat. <laughs> my my desire to conquer the world is just too strong. It's too strong. But I I but you play. You could play Risk all night, all night. You think the tin can is in? No. But that should be in, too. Why don't they do that? Why don't they have natural games? Um, why don't they have a category for those? Areas? I mean, that's why I said last year, like, the stick. I mean, stickball. Yeah. Everybody played stickball. Well, you didn't play with a real stick. Though. Or a stick and a hoop. Yeah. Run it down the street. Yeah. That's past. 
It used to be, it wasn't a hoop, it was like a bicycle tire. Yeah, it was a bicycle wheel. Hey, everything old is new again. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, but they should have categories for that. Maybe I'll suggest that. They should have a category for invented, for games that kids, for bags, for cardboard boxes. I wonder if they're in. We have to look. We may be talking about something we know nothing about. Maybe the stick is in. Maybe the cardboard box is in. Maybe the bag is in. We don't know this. Well, I was just saying, are like, are like classic, classic games like jacks and like marbles? Yeah, and I'm like, sure they're in. Are those in? I'm sure they're in. They've got to be in. Because those are like, you know. I wonder if Steelies are in. You remember Steelies? Oh, I've said this so many times. Marbles were a big deal when I grew up in grade school. Big deal. You go out in the playground every day. You'd have your bag, and you had your cat's eyes and all this stuff, and you would and you had the big jumbo ones, and you would go out every day and you draw a circle in the dirt, and you would shoot marbles. And if you knocked your opponent's marble out, you got to keep it. And then there'd be always some wise guy who would show up with a steely. A steely was a steel marble. Oh my! A ball bearing. And he would just crush your cat's eyes. I mean, put nicks in them and ruin them. And you couldn't do anything about it because he was always like the bully. See, I always picture whenever I hear that, I picture like a bunch of kids just talking like, you want to go play jacks down by the Sodi fountain? Like, <laughs> you know, we're like, hey, we're going to go into the back alley and play marbles, kid. We always played marbles. We always played. You had your little sack. That you carried your marbles in, and you bring them to school, and at recess you go out. Hey, you, meet me behind the VDs after school. <laughs> We're playing marbles. Uh, down at Jennings Junior High. Jennings Junior High. Look down, at you. That's down, a reference. Down at the bowl. Meet me at the bowl after school. That always meant you were going to fight. You got in a fight. <laughs> meet me at the bowl. Meet me at the bowl. Jennings I, had this that bowl. I think it's funny, though, because, like, as we were talking here, and, and all seriousness in this, but because it's hard to not to be, you know, serious about this, but when you look at toys, how is it that you're supposed to determine what's a toy to one person and what's a toy to another person? Like, if you come from, like, a privileged background, like, you probably have every toy that you could ever imagine. That's a very good point. But, like, what we were saying is that, like, if you come from a background of, like, where your parents couldn't afford much, like, you know, who knows what a toy is for you? I played with boxes, cardboard boxes. Yeah. were huge for us. Uh, the things that, the, the tubes that Steven's talking about for swords. Um, the big... Tr- Big, huge trash bags filled with water were huge. I'll tell you what was a big toy for us, paper bags that we used to, I used to deliver paper for Beacon Journal. Mm-hmm. And we had those paper bags. Remember? Oh, yeah. That you put over your, those were unbelievable toys. You know what you I know? remember using as a as a toy when I was in, like, um, kindergarten? We used to take folders and, like, create forts at, like, the tables that we sat at. And then you would, like, try throwing things at the at the forts. To and knock try, them over. And try to knock them over. Yeah. And it was, like, the coolest game. Because, like, one time my buddy and I, Time War, we literally had, like, folders. Like, we each had, like, 60 folders 
like stacked on each other, and the teacher was like, "You guys need to stop. Like it's getting ridiculous." Like we were literally like, like I could like hide behind it and like look for like ammo coming from other people. Oh, I wish I could tell you a story about Iowa State, but I think we've run out of time. Um, but. One of these days I'll tell you a story of what, because I was reminded of it when we went back for the reunion two weeks ago. One of the guys that I used to do it with was there, and he started talking about the green stick. And one of these days I'll tell you about the green stick. Now I need to hear this story. Oh, it was unbelievable game. Can you give a condensed version? Well, it was. It had, it had to do with those tongue depressors that they always had. Okay. And... Green lubricating gel. They had buckets of these things that they would put on your ankles when they taped them. Sure. And so there was this green gel, like, and we used to dip the tongue depressors into the (laughs) green gel, and you could throw them, and they would stick on people. (laughs) And it started a war. We had, like, in the locker room, we had, like, gangs that were like I was little Joey something, and I had my little gang, and we would sneak up on people, and, yeah, and stick them with the green green lube, and you were you were dead for the day. Here come the Jets. This is college. This is funny. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to get serious again. We're going to talk to Thomas West, our state representative. He had a uh, responded to the Ohio Department of Education release of the school report cards. And we're going to get into the school report cards and what Thomas West thinks about it and uh, what can be done, if anything, to fix that problem. Stay tuned. We're going to talk with Thomas West right after this. Okay, hour number three, or actually two and a half this week. Um, As promised, I was going to speak to, uh, I wanted to talk to Thomas West, State Representative Thomas West, who is... uh, I think one of the most fair-minded public servants we have uh, in the state of Ohio, if not anywhere in the country. And the report cards came out for the districts recently, and uh, some of them weren't that good. Uh, Canton City Schools, obviously, if I look at their scores, achievement in F, progress in F, uh, graduation rate a D, improving at risk a D, uh, prepared for success and F. And uh, State Rep. Thomas West wrote, the state report card grading system is not fair, does not adequately reflect the hard work of our teachers, students, and school administrators. The way we evaluate our school districts, coupled with how we respond to the districts that are struggling, must be reformed. As our children come to school with more trauma and our districts struggle with limited resources, teachers face tremendous challenges to educating students. We need to restore local control and provide additional support to our schools so that all our children have a chance to live the American dream. Thomas West, thank you for being with us today, and I appreciate you being on the show again. Well, hey, always, Joe, always. And, you know, I tell you, it was a week. Uh, the week that was, uh, i tell you what, um, when our state continues to grade our school systems uh, with some arbitrary grade, uh, it does not adequately reflect our school. I mean, as, as I said in the press earlier, but 
uh, we got to do better. Uh, and I think we can. And it's almost like putting a label on a school. And we got to stop labeling people, really start putting the resources necessary for these kids to move forward in, in their careers and in their life. And, and school is just a snapshot of, of who they will be. And sometimes putting a failing grade on, on schools and on our uh, students uh, th- doesn't do well for us as a county or as a state. No, I, I, you know, there's part of me that I agree with that. As far as when you label a school district um, and, and start, and, and they're constantly falling into this F grade or whatever, um, I, I agree with that. I, I, I will differ in the fact that I don't agree with um, l- calling a grade of a student what the grade should be. I, I'm, I get a little concerned that we, we start to soft, soften the grading system to the point where failing is no longer failing. And we should call failing, failing, to a certain extent. Well, I mean, if there's things that need to be improved, I think that we're on this continuum of learning, right? Yes. Uh, and because we're on this continuum of learning, no one can fail. In, in my mind, you may be low average, okay, at this point in time of your life, but you may change over time. So by la- labeling somebody a failure... Uh, they may internalize that, and next thing you know, they are a failure, and they become a drain on not only themselves, their families, their communities, and ultimately our state, right? I agree with that. Uh, That makes sense. And I think the other piece of that is, Joe, you know, we all learn at different ways and different uh, approaches and in different times. Um, You know, I know when I came out of school, uh, you know, I remember having D's and that's on some of my report cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but hey, I graduated, you know, with magna cum laude. It, was I a failure? No. And the same, same thing with. But did people. you learn? But here's the question I have for you. Because you got those F's and D's on those, on those particular courses, did that cause you to spur you to do better? Well, you know what? I think what caused me to get better is I started learning at different times of my life. I really started to take the focus on, my, I mean, on different areas of my life when I became mature or maturated to that certain level. Mm-hmm. But I would also look at it from the standpoint of uh, right now, when, when I was coming up, we had consistency in our schools. We had the same principals, the same teachers. You know, we don't have that no more. Matter of fact, you don't know if the teacher's still going to last the next three years because they keep getting moved from school to school to school. Yes. And, I mean, and then the resources. One year the resources are there, the next year the resources isn't there. Now the gym teacher used to be the, now the gym teacher is the health teacher. Now we don't even have a health curriculum. I mean, so all of these factors that are supposed to contribute to kids' learning and to their success is not there. It's, it's not, I mean, it's, it's not stable. And I think we got to, we're looking at grading the wrong things. I believe we need to start looking at how are we great, how are we uh, providing those schools with the resources they need to make certain that those kids are learning and providing the stability, make sure that these kids are learning. But the, uh, but we, the only way to do that is to, is to eliminate the state and the federal government from local school districts. 
Say that, say that one more time. I'm sorry. The, the only way to completely do that and to take control of, of, the, of, of what you know and what we know, say in Canton City, would work. The only way to do that is restore it to local control and eliminate the state and federal governments in our school district. Well, amen. I agree with that. Well, how do you do that, though, Thomas? Well, and I think there's a lot of legislators at the state level looking to change legislation and, you know, eliminate this grading system. And I know I'm one of those. But that's not uh, that's not totally it. Somehow you got to get rid of Common Core. you got to get rid of... Uh, uh, you know, why don't we have a health teacher anymore? Why don't we do that? We don't have legislation, so we don't have to have it. I mean, it's, uh, my daughter uh, just recently graduated from, uh, from early college. Um, and I look at her, and I know that she took three years of Spanish. Now, her first year of Spanish, she couldn't stand, right? Right. So she took it again because she had to. She took it the second year. She didn't do well in it, but she made it through. Uh, and then she took it again the third time, and I asked her, well, why are you taking this class again? You didn't like it the first two times. Well, because they said that this is what's going to help me get into college and blah, blah, blah. You know, in my mind, it, it really requires us to look at our curriculum and bring back the reading, writing, and arithmetic. Amen. Then also let's get to the areas of their career, where they want to go. These kids don't even know where they want to go when they're hitting their senior year, and then they have to go to college and decide. we got to start preparing those pathways, in my mind, early on, and then let's start evaluating how schools are doing that curriculum, I mean, how they're doing in those areas. Uh, and let's stop putting these you know, arbitrary grade letters on a school, and let's start saying, okay, let's evaluate the school for what they are. Do they have the resources? Are they you know, preparing these kids for success. I mean, there's so, kids that have disabilities there that um, is draining the number of, I mean, in terms of their performance, academic performance. Well, isn't that in every district, though? Yes, but if you look at it from, from uh, even from a geographical location, a lot of kids that have a lot of disabilities live in inner cities. I mean, some of these kids are coming to school because they don't even have food in their house. They don't have Maybe they're being evicted. Maybe they're having a lot of trauma in their life. I agree you know, with those that. things play a role, in, and you'll have a lot more of that in the inner city than you would have in, you know, this is about suburbs. I agree. I agree so, with that. But all of that stuff impacts those scorings, and I don't think that that's fair. So, so what we're what, and, and I I've got to take a quick break. I hope you can hold with me. Uh, um, but I have to ask, I want to ask this. Maybe, maybe the at-risk schools are separated from the the test demands of Common Core, the state testing, all those things, and the struggling schools, according to the state, like Canton City, go into a a, a totally different local control with a with a, a whole group that's establishing getting the teachers involved in what needs to happen and saying this has all got to take place on the local level 
we need to eliminate all this state and federal influence on this and get back to educating on a different level at these at-risk schools. And let's talk about that when we come back. We're going to continue with State Representative Thomas West right after this. We just have about four minutes left. We're going to put the contest off till next week. I've got, I want to continue this conversation with State Representative Thomas West. And Thomas, I, I, again, I'll get into this. You want to get back to reading, writing, arithmetic. We have to get back to allowing our teachers in these schools yeah. the, to give them the creativity to teach their class on an individual basis and what they think they need. And it can't, you can't, we will never achieve what you're talking about achieving as long as they have to meet standardized federal tests, state tests, all the different things. Yeah. So somehow the legislation has to be that our at-risk schools get returned locally and under control of the local people who know what to do. Correct? I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. You know, and the teachers know what's best. They know those students. They know what's going on in those students' lives, and they know how to take that person from where they're at and move them to the next level. And I think sometimes we we miss that boat. Every kid is individualized. They learn differently. And those teachers know where that person is. And the question is, did that person make progress? enough to advance them to the next grade level. And I think that's where they're at. And right now our teachers are analyzing data. They are, you know, teaching to test. And our school boards are at the state level every week trying to figure out, you know, trying to fight a a political battle. We need to get politics out of the school, give the schools the tools they need, put the power back in the hands of those teachers, and we will all win. Our kids will win. Our schools will win. And our cities will win. And I say the cities because when you put a letter grade on a school, that determines whether or not a parent wants to move to that district or Bingo. that city or not. And you are labeling, and the state, excuse me, is labeling all of these cities as failures. And and, and, and I hate that we're doing that. And I think that we need to do better uh, and, and improve on that system. I agree with you 100%. But, but it... it, it... Again, uh, the state has to back off. The federal government has to back off. And you know what? I even think, Thomas, if it was a local thing, say say local government or local people, the school system in, let's just take Canton City, was restored to Canton. Then you could say to people, hey, here's what we need. We need to put air conditioning into this school. We need to yes. do this. Can you people help? Can right. can we locally have a fundraiser? Can we locally have something to come up with the money to supply the kids with things? Can can people come into the school, business leaders and stuff, and talk to kids and be part of this whole education system? Right now, there's no room for any of that. Well, and 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 not to mention you know, the schools over the last few years have went through some major changes uh, from, you know, combining schools and, yes. and all of these things. All of that stuff contributes to whether, you know, they're performing well, right? And I just think that we we got to be a little bit more sensitive. I'd like to see our community come together around these schools uh, and start supporting them, and you know, 
from Maslin to Canton to Jackson, we're all in the same boat. And we're only as strong as the weakest link. We got to start supporting each other and our kids and our families and our schools if we're going to succeed. I agree with you 100%. And good luck with this. Uh, it is important. Too yes. many lives are, be, are falling through the cracks right now, Thomas. And uh, this is important. Dis- an important discussion. I wish you the best. Well, thank you so much. And, and let me just say on a note, I'm up here in, in, in D.C., and I'm still learning. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we're at conferences to learn, so it's a lifelong learning process. And I just appoint that my state legislature. Got to go, man. Come to the table. Take care. Hey, take care, Thomas. Thank you so much. Have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you next Saturday.